grieving mother finds a way to bring back her dead son is not all that comes home. Miss Mabel was uh, discovered deceased inside one of the rooms. Her body was found upright in a rocking chair. What's in a figure made of sticks and leaves? Judging from initial reports, Miss Mabel had been dead a matter of months. Based on the unsolved mystery of Olivia Mabel. There were a lot of photos and personal objects on that, and candles and what we call santuarios. You have no power over Leave me alone! Don't I need help! A short film from Elf Tree Media. Mommy. Thought form. Support our Kickstarter campaign now through February 17th at thoughtformfilm.com. Prepare to enter the Elf Tree. Hi there, everybody. <laughs> Hi there, everybody. I'm Ian. And I'm Joe. We are, we're in this, the, the hot seats. We're back. We are. <laughs> we're always back. Yeah, every I mean, Wednesday. Every single Wednesday. Yeah, we almost missed our last uh, show. Almost. I mean, in some, mar- in some time zones we did, though. We, we, we've had a lot on our plates. That's, well, massive plates. Eyes are bigger than our bellies. And we are going to gorge ourselves on mm, yeah. projects we uh, have to maintain. Gorge of the jungle. Gorge of the jungle. Um, and our little uh, loincloths. I mean, like you heard last week, we launched our Kickstarter campaign. But like, this is us kind of a week in to yeah. the Kickstarter, and man, it's been it's been a one of a one of a kind ride for me so far. I've never done anything like this. For anyone who is curious about the process of a Kickstarter, mm-hmm. this is the perfect show to listen to as we literally deal with how we're supposed to be maintaining yeah, it. Yeah. So if you're curious, Gorge, it's kind of cool because um, not only will we be able to go back in time and listen to these sometime in the future, but people even 30 days from now when we're 7 days you know past our expiration date of the the Kickstarter campaign people will be able to go back and listen to what we've done and yeah. and kind of uh, hear the story of if we succeeded or didn't succeed well it's great cuz it's literally a weekly show so every show that you're going to hear we're like 7 days it's uh you know this is the most nerve-wracking part of the whole process because yes. uh, we're trying to get to this first you know quote unquote thirty percent. Yeah, that's that's just based on some some articles that I've read, um, and that's the same place that stats like um, stats come from that say campaigns that start in January and end in February have the highest rates of success, and you know you should try and launch on a, a in the morning on a weekday or something like that. Like they're just all these people have had all these different experiences, and they've this one guy kind of amalgamated them into uh, into kind of an opinion piece. I guess yeah, because this is a, such still a new platform. I yeah. mean, it's only been around for what five a few years? years, yeah, something like that. When I did the campaign in 2012, there wasn't like a ton of information like that where yeah. people said this is the best time to do it. I mean, it was still very experimental and people just kind of figuring out what the best options were over time. Yeah. The only way to know is to literally see what other people are doing. And you're, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, we, we wouldn't have any opportunity to know until we did something like this. Uh, just like you wouldn't really have any idea how you can raise money to make an album until you did yours. A few well, it's years like ago. We're, you're also trying to guess what, 
other people are thinking and how they're thinking. Right. And I have no idea. Like if I come across a project that's cool year round, it doesn't matter where it is, I'll, I'll probably jump on board. You right. Know? So right. we're having to strategize and figure out a way to best suit our project. And and sometimes I wonder like, wow, we overthink a lot of the ways maybe some people are just naturally not even in tune with, you know? We're not necessarily two people with our our finger on the pulse of society or, or no. trends or anything like that. And yet here we are trying to put something out there that that we think people will latch on to. But what kind of people, we have no idea. We have I have no idea if anything like this has an audience. Yeah. You know, has an Oh, it's an got an audience. audience. Come on, you know it's got an audience. But I, you know, 15 years ago, I never would have thought people would have been actively that engaged in vampires or zombies or something like that. And, you know, we've, yeah. we've seen both of those trends kind of come up and then take a lower role by now. That's true. Yeah. I mean, but it's oversaturation, you think? Well, yeah. I mean, I think it's it's a lot of people jumping on board all at one time. Sure. I mean, everything has become a, a disposable asset. Yeah. Or or yeah. at least expirable. You know, if you don't have a girlfriend this Valentine's Day, it's all right. There's always next Valentine's Day. 364 yeah, you know. <laughs> days. You know, so it's people don't really put much stock in in any one thing that they're doing because chances are it's just, you know, oh, the next thing, oh, the next thing, oh, the next thing. And before you know it, you haven't done anything or actually yeah. backed anything or, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's kind of the thrill of being a part of a team that's just doing it because yeah. there's a lot of risk involved with us having put so many hours into this thing. And dollars. And I mean, yeah. And I mean, it's it's massively strategized. Like we have really delved into this thing like madmen. And so it's kind of neat to to just be at the mercy of the universe and kind of figuring out who our audience is cuz in my head I imagine there's tons of horror film fanatics out there that want to support these kinds of things. Right. But it's just figuring out the right way to showcase what we're doing to that audience and that's the biggest question. I mean, we've had great feedback on Twitter. We have. Well, um, I'll say the the thing that I've noticed about our interactions with people on social media is we are attracting a lot of attention of a lot of other people that are also hawking their their project. That's true. Which that's that's what we've run into right now. What we need to try and run into, what we need to like sift through all these people trying to sell us their crap, we need to find those people, <laughs> those people out there that are actually looking for something to to be a part of as opposed to we've hit this surface of Thousands upon thousands of people that have a product or a Kickstarter campaign that's just gone live too. So we're in the in the the kiddie pool of people that are just like us right now, and we need to be able to get into the deep end and We've like got go our diving floaties down. On. Yeah, to the people who are actually going to be doing something and and would appreciate this content as opposed to see us as just another you know person with a couple thousand followers. Yeah. Do you think a lot of people are actually consuming? all of what we put up there, like the average person that goes to click thoughtformfilm.com. Yeah. Do you think they're actually consuming the entire page or just the top video? I, I would imagine the biggest percentage of people visiting that page just watch the video. Mostly because that's probably what I would do. Having never done a campaign like this before, that's probably where I would put most of my stock. Yeah. It's not in the the story underneath because that takes that takes a ton more time than just to watch a three-minute video. Kickstarter as a platform has its its own rules and ways that it does things. All mm -hmm. the videos are still 720 by 480. 
they're still like standard def videos, even though we spent a lot of time, you know, making high res, you know, high 3D. quality images. Yeah, I mean, we we uh, we <laughs> made it three. It was an Oculus experience. That would be pretty cool. <laughs> um, speaking of, the, we were watching some of those videos on on Facebook the other day, a 360 degree videos. Have you ever seen anything like I that? I had not seen any of those. No, I'd seen something of that nature kind of pop up on YouTube about a year ago. There was a, a rafting trip of uh, the Grand Canyon. Oh, nice. And they had a camera in there, and it was kind of around. I saw parts of the video unwrapped, so it's like a flat wall of what would be projected on like a dome. Oh, gotcha. Except it's flat. It's like unrolled. Okay. Um, which was pretty cool. But then I saw it in in context, and it was still a little bit jittery and, and kind of new on the technology, but... The stuff that we found on Facebook yesterday was, yeah, it was amazing. That it's, was pretty cool. It's like they stole the uh, the little camera from the Google car and, <laughs> and made it live. Yeah, took a, it on a little vacation. Yeah, I mean, so we the the video that we watched specifically was us inside like some fighter jet that was in formation with four other fighter jets, blue and yellow, you know, kind of doing this like air show, mm-hmm. and they were all flying in tight formation and everything. So we can then look around. Like I click and drag the mouse around, and we're Viewing 360 degrees of this cockpit, yeah, in a in a position that we could not be physically as human beings. Yeah, which the thing that blew my mind with them flying was how freaking close their wings were to yeah. the cockpit. Literally, you'd just see them hovering right over the glass, yeah. just yeah. like. <laughs> well, if you think about it, though, I mean, I wonder if with that much practice, it's not similar to driving a car. I mean, you could probably find ways to drive 80, 90 miles an hour and still be just that far away from the car next to you if you're doing like a coordinated stunt or something like that, you know? Because I imagine if you're flying a plane like that, you've had a lot of practice flying that plane. Oh, for sure. Because you were saying, I can't remember what how many flights they had to do. Like 100 is what the guy was saying on this video. Yeah, like 100 practice flights before they ever did their first live show. Absolutely breathtaking. I would. I don't know if I'd pass out in there because they were doing some crazy, like hard G's, like barrel there. rolls and yeah. shit. Yeah, and they were saying they would hit at least eight G's and some Ugh. negative. And so I don't know what my body would do, not even knowing how to handle that. You know? Yeah. I mean, because right now, my entire life, I believe I've only experienced one G. I think I've experienced three G's, and that freaked me out. When did you experience three G's? <laughs> At Disney World. Oh. It was like this ride, oh, Mission okay. to Mars. Oh, Mission Space. They have like the hardcore version, and then they have like the lesser G version. <laughs> the lesser G version, yeah, the PG the, version. Yeah, those who have like, I guess, low blood pressure okay. could uh, cause you to pass out pretty quick. Okay, all right. But um, yeah, I did the one with the higher G's, and it really gets intense. How much did you say it was? I think three G's, like okay. close to three. I mean, that's three times the the force of gravity that you're feeling right now. Yeah. That's what that means. So I would be curious to try like the Vomit Comet, the, the NASA training simulator I'd thing. Be, I'd be scared to get in there, but well, I'd do it. Why, now, why would you be scared to get in it? I don't know. Like being in my headspace, feeling my body, like, I don't know, just the battle of me trying to fight and, and stay conscious and, <laughs> and then kind of the fear of just passing out with by the force of something other than myself going to sleep. You know, that's weird. That okay. freaks me out. In this sequence are shown experiments of simulated weightlessness or zero G. To produce this weightless state, an aircraft, in this case a Convair C-131, is flown through a capillary and trajectory. Starting at 12,000 feet, the aircraft goes into a 10-degree dive until a speed of 250 knots is reached. After a pull-up at 2.5 G, 
A 35-degree climb results in 15 seconds at zero G. All right. Like, it always freaks me out to think of going into surgery, knowing you're going into surgery, and they're going to put you under and cut into you. Like, that is so terrifying to me. Yeah. Sorry, I don't know it's, why. No, 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 you're right. It's bizarre. The, the only time I've ever really been into surgeries, um, I do remember feeling that. I'm like, oh, man, I'm walking in. It's it's almost like you're walking the green mile. Yeah, you know? I can't imagine someone getting heart surgery or something, brain surgery, some major ass thing that could literally... Could literally kill you. Yeah, they are not going to wake up. And I know people, I don't know how many every year, but I know people go under the knife and just out of complications from something yeah, had nothing to do with them having some like high risk surgery, right? All of a sudden succumb to whatever chemical or just the body just shut down. There was a great grandmother of mine that went in for toe surgery and died because of complications with the anesthesia. Damn. And it was, that was nothing. Nobody had any concern with her going in for this surgery. And yet it's, that's what happened. Yeah. That's what a uh, buddy of mine, his brother yeah. had that same I situation. Mean, and it can happen to anybody. Tooth surgery. Tooth surgery. Yeah, See, that's the one of the two surgeries I've ever had was, was, you know, my wisdom teeth. And I yeah. was not really that worried about it because they weren't putting me under, under, but they were kind of giving me some like loopy meds and and stuff like that. So I was I was pretty conscious. Felt like I'd been drinking. Yeah. You know, I mean that's <laughs> nice. that's kind of what I was like, uh, yeah, you know. They said, "Ian, we need you to open your mouth a little bit more." And I would just, you know, <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm I don't know how old I am. Probably 22 <laughs> something like that at this point. Uh, but yeah, it's it was it was bizarre to go in there and just be like, "Oh, man. I'm not a fan of the dentist." No. No. No, thanks. No, I mean, uh, see, I don't really have a problem with the dentist. I just don't want the dentist to find anything that's going to cost me more money and discomfort. I feel like every time I come here, there's something, and then I get stuff drilled into my mouth, and I keep my teeth clean, you know? So it's like, uh, it's... That's, you know, uh, if it's not bothering me at this moment, I don't see any reason that I would need to know that it's there. Yeah. You know, all of my teeth feel absolutely fine. I have a couple that are a little bit sensitive to, to hot and cold. But I, I get the sense that a lot of people have that. I mean, it's, yeah. it's just nerve endings. It's, that's all it is, is sensitivity. Yeah. Um, I don't have any problems. I don't have any broken teeth. I don't, you know. Um, so I, my teeth are okay. Thank you very much. You know, it's, <laughs> I, I don't, it's the same. Gosh, it's the same with health care. I understand that health care is very expensive in this country and that, you know, the need for insurance is probably going to be far greater than my inability to pay a $25,000 appendectomy bill. It's also having to literally say this is the future that could be and it's acknowledging something to where you're paying money just in case in the moment. Yeah, it's great to have insurance, but I'm also just like, you know, like you're having to think about and make payments towards something that is not even existent. Like right. your, your body, our bodies are built to not break apart, but we live in a world obviously where they do. And I don't know, it's just weird for me to think about the business of what that is and how people have to physically pay these massive amounts of money just to get a deductible that's, if you have a major surgery, you're still walking out having to pay some cash. I mean, yes, yeah, so you're not paying 150 grand, because where the hell did that number come from? With the policy that I've got currently, I would have to pay six and a half grand. I don't have six and a half grand right now to to pay for like a major diagnosis of some kind. Get a paper shredder, Ian. So once you get healthy, you're back on on top. You just put your little uh, your bill in the paper shredder. And what good's that gonna do me? 
Well, it'll ruin your credit, but hey. Yeah, exactly. You don't have to pay it'll that damn make $6,000. No. I mean, of course I will. <laughs> of course I will. Just because I shred a piece of paper doesn't mean It's I'm such a video game to, to me, dude. It's such a video game thinking about like the fact that if you if something if you get injured, you're sick or you need help and all of a sudden you have to pay this ungodly amount of money that yeah. where the hell's that money come from, you know? No one has that amount just out of thin air unless you're That's making major bank somewhere, you're making good chunks of cash, but most people don't. Most people aren't living that way, you know? The idea that you could go into debt because you get hurt or sick and you might not ever be able to come out of that and that our our government doesn't look at that as being one of the primary objectives of a government of, of 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 a leading group of human beings that are supposed to be in charge of allocating resources, taking care of education and taking care of health. Those are the two primaries: food, education, health. Those should be the primaries. The idea that healthcare wouldn't be in that group it seems barbaric. It seems it seems rude. It seems also like incredibly debilitating to poor people it's true but i mean most people are the cause of their own demise you know um it's choices yes yeah i mean a lot of it is choices but i mean you're right i i have no idea how somebody who struggles and lives paycheck to paycheck is going to afford six and a half thousand dollars because they were in a car accident you know, I mean, is that... If Shouldn't that, have been driving. I mean... They're deductible. I'm I mean, yeah, and in order to drive, you have to have car insurance. I mean, it's... In order to afford car insurance, you have to have a job. In order to get to the job, you have to have a car. Yes. It's, yes. It's I a mean, cycle. It is. It is. It's it's this weird... It's this weird kind of catch-22, and, and I don't know. And if you can't afford a car, then you have to do public transportation, and that means you have to lose hours of your time at home right. just to make it to work on time. I mean, that's crazy. It's literally running from a little red line that's just kind of chasing your, it's nipping at your heels. Yeah. How far ahead of that can you get? And the best thing to do is stay as healthy as you can so you can run further ahead of it. It is insane. I don't know how, like, I don't have insurance. I don't have medical insurance. And I don't right. do Obamacare because I don't want someone telling me what I should have to do. Like, I, I just feel weird about that. And then to say that they can find me for it. Like, that I don't agree with. It's pretty crazy. I mean, it's a tough world out there, guys. That's all I can assess at this point in time. Work smart, not hard. Work smart, not hard. And that's the thing is chasing goals amidst the kind of world. Like, I always think about that. It's like, look at what we're doing. Like, we're literally running this campaign. We're running this film that we want to be doing, chasing all of this stuff, seeing the bigger picture with it. And then at times, you know, thinking back about the freaking world we live in. It's like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I always mean, blows my mind. The experience that we're going through right now, kind of raising all this money, what, what, how am I going to get people's attention? I don't really typically want people's attention. That's not yeah. typically my personality. And yet here I am, like, dealing with... We had a couple of, of journalists kind of contact us, a couple write-ups and, mm -hmm. and uh, one interview request that we're actually going to be on a, a show Thursday the 28th. We're going to be on... AM <laughs> After a. Hours. AM After Hours. I was going to say that. Yeah, it's AM uh, <laughs> After Hours. And having to deal with other people suddenly be, have, being interested in what it is that we're doing, that's brand new. That's yeah. brand new for me because everybody so far who's been listening to the podcast has been very quiet, very, you know, kind of non-interactory. Yeah, it uh, seems like our listeners are just, they just listen. They just, yeah, and that's okay because you know what? That's what I do. And, and mm -hmm. I, I can choose to look at it as karma, you know, because I just... Listen, I just listen to these shows that I listen to. I don't really have much interaction with them. Yeah. And that maybe that's maybe that's something that I should kind of 
turn around and, and start doing, having some interactions and encouraging more interactions. I think that's, you've got to, you've got to put in what you want to take out. Well, I mean, how do you feel thing. about getting this kind of attention on our campaign? Like, do you feel like, does it feel overwhelming? Like, oh, wow. Can you imagine like having a really big story and all of a sudden having to deal with like well, 50 news stations? By myself. Yeah, that would be very overwhelming, especially with the professional situation I'm in right now with having my day job and having to like dedicate eight hours of my day to that and then have to come home and kind of interact with people emailing us about the Kickstarter and then trying to produce and, and reach out on my own for things like that. Already, it's a little overwhelming. Yeah. Um, so to be fielding calls from like CNN and Fox News and I mean, because you're a producer. That'd be a lot. That's a producer. I mean, you you are... Well, I mean, ideally, you would have an assistant that was basically yes. taking care of a lot of the things that you they knew how you wanted them taken care of, you know? Well, right. If I had an assistant, I would be able to focus most on our campaign and the, the content that we're doing for our campaign and then give it to the assistant who then would be adept at getting it out there and, and posting it and creating a viral yeah. marketing kind of buzz about it and things like that. That's the kind of assistant I would help that would, I would have help in stuff like this. I mean, there's so many millions of people posting so much content all the time, 24 seven. So yeah. it's weird to kind of jump in. It's almost like with anything on the internet, it's like you're jumping into this massive, crazy school of fish and getting lost in the middle of... You're like a needle in a haystack. Right. You have to like find all the ways to bring any sort of attention to your product or your... Right. We have to be the glowing radioactive needle. Exactly. In the middle of the haystack. And then you can kind of like hear it and it's like... Whoa, the burning ember that whoa, burns all the hay away. Whoa, I don't know. It, it would. It would just kind of vaporize the entire haystack. Exactly. <laughs> Again, it's a very interesting thing. I mean, we've been spending the last week just kind of interacting with people that a lot of which are bots, like I said, or a lot of which are people kind of selling their own stuff. But we've had some actual genuine interactions with people, mm -hmm. people from AM After Hours as well. That's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, that's Thursday. Thursday at uh, 7 p.m. Pacific, I believe, is when we're on. Beautiful. Yeah. Heck yeah. Tune in, everybody. Well, you don't have to. We'll give you the website. Click yeah. on the show notes. I'm sure once it's over, we can probably get a clip of it. We might actually be able to see if they can clip our actual show and send us an MP3 of just that so that we can kind of That'd be post rad. it on our Kickstarter. I mean, that's the thing. Martin said this. You said this. Shelby said this. Um, keeping that train going. Like, we're, we might be starting slow, but... Keeping the momentum going, just putting content together, putting it out there, interacting with people. I mean, those are the kinds of things that are going to attract the success that we're looking for. Just because we didn't prepare for months on end in terms of like start building up a buzz month in advance doesn't mean that we can't raise our money. Like you said, a lot of people are probably just kind of up on a little perch. They're like, yeah. hey, a little thought form thing. Mm -hmm. Got 23 more days. It's it's all right. I don't have to do anything for an, at least another 20 days. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, 20 days. We've been in this, we've been at this thing just over seven days as of this recording. Oh, wow. And we've still got 23 days left. We've got more than we did for the ultimate reset. And that was a long Ooh, road ahead was. at the beginning of that, that process. So we're okay. I'm not nervous. I'm thrilled that we've received as much attention so far as we do. I think when I did my campaign, I was constantly worrying that it wasn't going to succeed. Yeah. There was this part of me that was just like, well, it took the last 
four days where it really kicked up. And really? Yeah. So, I mean, right now, I'm trying not to really even think about it. Yeah. I'm just seeing it as this, this cooking stew. And right. And we just have to keep seasoning it and keep it going, and we're doing that. And <laughs> So, okay, so to put it into cooking terms, we've, <laughs> we've spent the first week kind of uh, sautéing the onions mm-hmm. and, and the things that are going to give it their their aromatics. Mm-hmm. Putting and some oils in there. This week, uh, this week I feel like kind of we're we're adding the broth. We're mm-hmm. actually kind of getting the the soup kind of starting to look the way that it's going to look uh, with additional content. You know, we've been kind of uh, researching a little bit more into anything we can find on Olivia Maybell's story. Was it between the last time and this show where we MTI jumped on? It was this week. Yeah, we we got a, a couple of official sponsors. MTI Films going to be helping us with post-production, color correction, yeah. and things like that, kind of delivery. Um, and then we got an endorsement from Musicbed. Yeah, it's a licensing company that I work with, and they're really amazing. So the music, whenever it's done, it'll go to our Kickstarter supporters first. And then after that, I don't know when, but the soundtrack for the film will be available on Musicbed. Check them out, musicbed.com. For licensing, for your your next so haunted you, house yeah, needs. Yeah, exactly. You can put it on your own. It'll be available for download at some point on iTunes or... I'd put it up for free. I mean, you can't put it up for free. I know. We're we're offering it for people to <laughs> to make donations. Therefore, you can never put it up for free. I know. I wish everything was free. I wish the world. I wish every. That's where I was talking about medical uh, insurance. It should all be free. Oh, of course it should all be free. We should all love one another, and we should all want to to mutually see each other survive, rather than have it be this massive competition of life. I mean, we we it, it always comes back to. You know, if people think that they have to better better themselves than somebody else, it's nobody's ever gonna gonna stand a chance to kind of just fall into this harmony. We got to figure out the love thing so that it no longer you aren't expecting any return, right, from what you're doing because you just love what you're doing because nobody else expects anything from you. Exactly. Therefore, you shouldn't expect anything from from them, and you'll probably get all that you need. All your needs should be met through love. I mean, if you think about it, if everyone on the on the planet was literally just doing what they loved and everything was free, I don't know, this is a weird concept, but <laughs> everything was free, people would still be doing all the crazy shit that they're doing and yeah. more. You wouldn't have to own things anymore, really. You could just go use them and then give them back and someone would repair it. And- right. I mean, this little housing community right here would have a set of tools and a set of things and it just, they... they but we live in a world where it's... I want my own tools. Yeah, you know? yeah. everybody needs their own this and their own that. It's it's a very wasteful society. You don't put the wrench back where I put the wrench. Yeah. Well, that's why crowdfunding is such a such a, a big thing right now is because it is, uh, it's a community of people trying to get together and facilitate art that's not coming out of 20th Century Fox or Mickey Mouse. That is weird to think about, you know? Are people interested in, in indie films like or supporting them that way? You know, it, it is a curious thing. I think those who really do latch to a project, it's all about connection. It's someone getting what we're doing. Yeah. It's not just because this is going to be a cool film. It's getting who we are and what we're doing together and what we want to do in the future. And it's not just this one film. This is the first, but it's kind of them getting, oh, I can be a part of the process that is going to continue on past this movie. And that's where that money's going, you know? And and essentially, yeah, I mean, that helps keep us going forward because we have to re-strategize. If we can't move forward with this funding, we will have to figure another way out to fund this film. Otherwise, we got to, you know, we have to move on to other projects until we can come back to it. But 
I feel like the the biggest mental challenge is thinking, oh, I want I want this project to happen because this is kind of where my brain is is seeing the next several months of work of of focus. Yeah. And so to see it hinge on a campaign and us, you know, trying to figure out how to connect it to the audience. I yeah. mean, it's a really crazy thing to think about. It's true. Because I don't think that we are so far off the off base that we're doing something that's not going to be connectable. I don't know. When I was in high school, it would have been so badass to be able to follow a project like this. Right. But I don't know. I feel like if I was younger and I could watch other people creating their projects just to learn how they're doing it. Right. Ultimately, I think that's kind of what we're opening the door for is like letting people see how we're doing it and listen to these podcast shows. You're going to hear us in the process of a Kickstarter. So if you're ever curious as to the pressures or, and maybe we're, you know, I know the pressure I put on myself, but it's a way for people to just kind of see what it takes to put something together by yourselves, by yourselves, because we are up against the Goliath of, we're up against the Goliath of Michael Bay. Big finance. And yeah. George Lucas and J.J. Abrams. Major I mean, marketing. Yeah. That's that's where that's where production and everything like that has has changed for me because I can go and watch exactly how they made stuff mm-hmm. in The Hobbit. Um, or in in movies like Room, that's a, a new independent film that's nominated for a lot of awards this year. I haven't seen it. No, I haven't either. But um, Brie Larson's one of the she's the the lead actress, uh, and she's nominated. And apparently, she does a really good job. But it's a uh, an independent film. I mean, it's you know hmm. small budget, this and that. I mean, Project Greenlight. I mean, it's a it's a show literally about how a movie gets made from beginning to end. Even though it's studio based and studio funded, like the uniqueness of our project is that we are literally raising the money ourselves. We're uh, a Cinderella Kickstarter story. We're just a, a couple of guys trying to get the world to understand where our heads are at. Just trying to get our uh, our foot to uh, fit into uh, Prince Charming's glass slipper. A dream is a wish your heart makes when you're fast asleep in dreams you will lose your heart It's funny to like even talk about this stuff because I was thinking about this today. I always try to look at the projects I'm working on and just be like, what the hell am I actually doing? Like, what am I, what do I care enough about that I'm literally making the art? Is this all about me because I care about what I'm doing? Or is this just, I can't help it. I'm addicted to making these kinds of things, like making music. And this kind of project, the one thing that sticks out to me is we're trying to build Elf Tree into this thing that's so crazy. And this is one small little freaking brick in yeah. the entire process of what it's going to take to get to 
point B or whatever we want to call it down the road. I, I do feel like if there's anything anyone could ever look back on in my personal life, right. it would be the fact that I left enough crumbs of watching how I created things, how one project led to the next, and that's physically what guides is just pursuing what you love. And this is, I mean, right now we're not making any money doing what we're doing. No. And so it's definitely holding on to, I guess, having faith, you know? I mean, that's, it sounds cheesy, but, you know, when you do certain things, the right doors just have to open up. And I think this project is kind of on that process. It's just really strange to watch it in the moment. Well, we are taking consistent steps. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's, that's what I put my faith in at this moment is that we are consistently walking along this path that will ultimately lead to the making of this movie. Does it mean that this Kickstarter campaign will be the successful thing that gets it funded? No, it doesn't. Yeah. It really doesn't. I do think that we can make this Kickstarter campaign successful, but do I know that that's the way it's going to happen? No. And and all I know is that we can make this film one way or the other. We can, and we will. And we will. And it's going to be good. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. I mean, that's the thing that I'm stoked about is thinking that potentially with what we're doing, all of a sudden we're like, holy shit, this story was this little seed and now it's freaking in theaters all yeah. over the place. You yeah. Know? yeah, exactly. That's just the potential of these kinds of projects, which is weird, but it Well, is. it's it's weird to be at the point where we are still kind of utilizing training wheels in the, the building of this story because we don't know... Well, we you're get... using training wheels. I'm, well, I'm you know, I'm... I'm you're on a big boy bike? <laughs> big boy bike. Um, I'm on a track. Um, you know what? Somebody actually, the the guys at AM Haunted um, got a, uh, in touch with us this past week. Yeah. Uh, invited us on the show, and I, I spoke to Eric, um, and he asked if we called the uh, the number. Did, have you called the number on the Olivia Maybell site? Uh, no, I thought about it, but I... I don't know. I just I called it once. It's this. It's this weird, like, kind of robotic voicemail. Really? Well, uh, I mean, almost like it's an automated response. But say, so no one answers. Just well, no. It's 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 that voice that it's just asking if you have more information or something like that. Just asking you to leave a message. But um, I don't know. I wondered if you wanted to to call it on the site and let's just Dude, like, what if somebody answers? I mean, on the show, let's. Yeah. Well, well, I didn't really think about it that way. Actually, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, because I, uh, I mean, what the hell do you say? Uh, hi. Uh. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess I assumed that it was just kind of a, a hotline number, and that's why I got the voicemail. I don't know. What if somebody answers? What if it's like a gypsy? Oh, <laughs> gypsy, man. I, you know, I didn't know the gypsies still were really around. I, but I, it's a culture. They are. Oh yeah. It's, it's not a. Yeah, I mean, it's not a. It's not like peasants. Peasants are are technically still around, but we just don't call them peasants. It's not like. Well, we're peasants. Well, we're not well exactly, exactly. You know? I mean, you we know. live on a planet where there's royalty. We are not royalty. That's so we're peasants. Correct. We are the peasants. We're the common men. <laughs> we're the commoners. Um, I'll call it. You said it's uh, got a voicemail? I don't know. I mean, who knows? Nothing else. We might we might end up getting some makes me nervous, sort of too. like call back with more information. I don't know. Let's, uh, let's get the number. Okay. I'll call it. What should we say if, uh, if it leaves a message? Uh, I mean, I don't know. Oh my God! If someone answers, maybe we just maybe we just advertise our our short film. Hi, we're we're uh, thoughtformfilm.com. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, that's the reality, though. Is we're literally we based our story off of this freaking site. This is, <laughs> all right. Okay. Uh, what's the number? Nine seven two. Okay. Six three eight. 
Mm-hmm. 9632. All right, we're going in. Okay, all right. Dude, I'm so scared right now. I'm not scared. Oh, shit. <laughs> Hello. If you have any information regarding Olivia Mabel, please leave a message. Uh, hi, my name is Joe. I am on a show called Hi Dare, and um, I live out in Los Angeles. Wrote a story with some friends based on your website. Um, anyway, if you have any more information, could you uh, shoot us an email at us at enterthealftree.com? That would be freaking rad. Um, thanks again. Hope you're doing well. Dude, what if uh, somebody <laughs> like Leatherface had answered the oh. phone? Do you think you'd know it's Leatherface? <laughs> yeah, I mean, do you think they would sound like that? You know, like Jigsaw from, from the Saw movies or something? Uh, it sound like trying to keep the skin on. Oh, uh, man. I don't even know. Hi, you've reached the Leatherface residence. This is Leatherface speaking. Dude, Chainsaw Massacre. That freaking Leatherface. Texas, dude. The I mean, original. Te- I, see, growing up in Texas, I never really thought that there was anything really all that eerie about Texas. But, you know, seeing some of these stories, you know, being out, out there over Thanksgiving, I mean, with the vastness of it, I can, I can totally see. You know, I mean, you're, you're in your small towns. You're Because uh, Weston, where my parents yeah. live, their, uh, their little downtown area, you, me, and Martin drove around it. There's Chicken Road. There's Main Street, and that's it. It's yeah. just those two roads. That's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, it's though that's the kind of places where you you see people like Leatherface and oh, you know Jason, Jason a, Voorhees. Yeah, swinging a chainsaw around in the street. Well, yeah. Can you imagine him just swinging it around and like a parade of people are driving by and everyone's just kind of slowly driving by him and he just slowly kind of stops swinging it around. He's kind of defeated and he's just like. Yeah, I look like an idiot right now. <laughs> yeah. Or do you think Leatherface would just go on a rampage towards them? I would, if I was Leatherface. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'd, I'd attack the... You're talking about, like, cars? Well, it feels like a parade. Like a parade vehicles with people's feet. You, you know, mean everyone with the, dancing the, around. The, the and, trailers yeah. and the hay bales. <laughs> yeah, and, like, freaking frills. And, then like, <laughs> the, the twirling batons <laughs> and the cheerleaders. Um, all the, all the uh, Shriners. Yeah, and their little, I mean, uh, come on, man. If I was Leatherface and I suddenly happened upon this, like this county parade yeah i mean i would run yeah yeah someone's doing the ferris bueller song you know exactly the way i would handle it well that'd be terrifying so don't give me a chainsaw yeah don't give me a chainsaw in the middle of texas like, that is the middle of Texas. I mean, well, it's not the middle of Texas. You can get way the hell more isolated. Well, because you can drive across the entire state of Texas for 12 hours and still not cross into another state. But, I mean, the way small towns work, it's really strange. Everyone knows what everyone is doing. And so, I mean, it would be terrifying to literally lose your shit and then seclude yourself. And then you're basically in your own little prison. Yeah. Like you're, you've created your own... I mean, it's also... a pretty nice piece of land so it could be badass out there too you know you're cut off from society because martin loves it he's always talking about yeah. like why would you want to be in the city would you get about there you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was a good martin i don't know that was terrible sorry martin. it was actually horrible it's kind of like getting trapped in maybe in a box in your own mind like depending on how you how you decide to retreat 
um, you can either feel trapped by the isolation or you can feel at home and like comforted by the isolation. Yeah. You know, if you're, if you decide to just, you know, shut off yourself from the, from the world for a night, you can either do it and be all depressed and be like, man, fuck the world. I'm just going to just sit here and wallow in my own self pity and blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Or you can be like, man, you know what? That's a lot of busy stuff out there, but I'm just going to take a break. I'm just going to chill. I'm just going to relax. And you, you're still removed for similar reasons, but whatever, whatever Olivia Maybell's motivation from pulling away from people, I mean, how can we ever know? It could have just been enough people saying, you know, we're sorry for your loss, yeah. you know, and just dealing with it. And I, she couldn't deal with it mentally and was like, I'm just done being social with yeah. this. I'm on. willing to bet there's nobody there that still lives there that has any inkling of who Olivia Maybell is. Probably not. You yeah. know, because those kinds of places, I don't know, people either retire out there or nobody really touched this land. It was, you know, hundreds upon hundreds of acres owned by one farmer. And then they finally kind of got subdeveloped on. And, you know, that's yeah. that's kind of what happens when you get just outside these city limits. Because all city is doing is just expanding upon expanding upon expanding. And on an its, investor you know. goes in, buys a big farm. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I wonder what they're going to turn that into. Yeah. Oh, a neighborhood. Ooh. So I, I'd be willing to bet that, that the people in that area have probably been there 10, maybe 15 years at the most. And even that is not not long enough to have been a- around when Olivia Maybell was there. And but even in like small towns, it's so many old people. So early nineties, old people now probably not around. You know, so well, it's just, yeah, by that's now. how the land is being sold off. Yeah, I mean that's probably how all that land is being sold off. Well, people are dying, and then some family owner that inherits it is like, oh, we can sell this for two point five mil. Hell yeah, yeah. Now they're gonna put suburban, you know brick homes in there and put a nice little local pool you know a little starbucks down at the corner yeah every every housing development was that one of these days you know back in the day i mean i lived in the same house growing up for 28 years however long my parents had that house we were the first owners of the house and everything so the housing development that my house was in was one of those new developments one day it's first day and then we all moved in and then by the time my parents sold the house it was a a, a settled in community you know it was no longer the new neighborhood on the block yeah it was no longer you know because those new neighborhoods had then moved out to you know Rowlett and Rockwall and Roy City and and you know everything's just kind of expanding so from where we were you know you're only a a, a new development for so long well it was weird to think when we were shooting the test footage yeah over Thanksgiving when I went to pick you up at your aunt's house uh-huh she was saying that neighborhood was like built in 2005 or something mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. And that was so strange to think about because it already looked like it was weathered to a degree. It still looked new and nice. It was a nice neighborhood. Yeah. But you could definitely see the wear and tear from just the years. And I don't know. It was strange to think about that because when I lived out there, it was that same year. That would have been a brand new neighborhood. Right. Which blows my mind to think about. I remember when Firewheel was going in and going up. You know, it, it was new but now you go there and it is definitely kind of old hat yeah you know like i said people have just kind of moved on from it so oh do you think it's really possible for someone to develop a thought form yeah sure i think that it's it's definitely possible to develop thoughts and feelings that interact with you know some sort of realistic plane yeah I don't know what it looks like. If you're talking about like an actual physical shadow being that could come up and slap me in the face, I don't know. 
<laughs> Why would it slap you in the face? Uh, well, but to 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 show its its physical tangibility, I its guess. dominance you know, it's over like, you. It's like you know, hey, I'm real. Yeah, yeah. You know <laughs> that that kind of a thing. But uh, as far as as far as that goes, I I have no idea. I can kick myself while I'm down just as well as another spirit or being could by, you know, kind of watching my behavior one day. Like if I can't cope with stress and I decide to just become a 16-year-old petulant child again, well, you know, I think that's as just as much of a conjured, you know, mentality, a yeah. conjured state, a conjured me. Um, you end up creating and manifesting that reality. And yeah, and that one particular energy takes over. And, yeah, and and takes on a life of its own, which in is a sense. Uh, means you got to think about like I was reading a chapter of a book today talking about the words we use and how I mean just as much as we think things or have judgments over things, yeah, those things manifest. So it's what are you thinking about? What are you saying to people? How are you thinking of yourself? How are you dealing with stuff? Whatever you say to others is actually really powerful. And I always think about that. I'm always just like, man. It's hard to podcast and want to keep my mouth shut, but my rabid ass soul and spirit is just, for some reason, loves just doing this. I'm like thinking about the things that come out of my mouth when I have an opinion on something. I'm yeah. like, whoa, that's, that could mean something potentially negative, and I hope not because it's not my intention right. ever to harm anybody or right. do that. But it's like having an opinion in general is very powerful. Not that it means anything. Other than it is some sort of electromagnetic energy that is put forth through me. Right. Just like everyone else has their own, you know? So I always wonder about that. It's deserving of just as much attention as any idea or anybody's opinion. Because if you speak it and it becomes a, a release of that thought and that energy, then it has more potential to latch on to somebody else and, and be something that they consider. And they might enjoy that idea. They might connect with that idea. Or that opinion, and they wouldn't necessarily have had the opportunity to had you not said it out loud. So I, I can definitely see the benefit in keeping one's mouth shut and, you know, kind of watching what you say and being being cautious and being careful. But I can also see the value in, in a Howard Stern or a, a, an Alex Jones or Bill Hicks or, you know, somebody yeah. or Joe Morales who decides that you're going to go on this little rampage rant about why art should be free. I mean, art, everything should technically be free. But in order to do that, there are, you know, logical and chronological steps that I believe we will have to go through as a human culture based on the past we've been through and all the behaviors, like I said, the behaviors that are learned. You can't just drop all protocols. But you, you can't, know? Yeah, and you can't start walking towards a solution until you have somebody's opinions and ideas. And and somebody, uh, the people who are there to, to help drive an idea forward are not always the people that have the idea. I'm not so much an idea guy, but I am an, a, a, a development guy. I'm a... a, a an execution kind of guy. Um, like I, you, you put the needle in someone's arm? I and, put the lime in the coconut. You put the coconut in the lime? <laughs> I, uh, well, yeah, I guess, I, I guess I, yeah. I'm not the one who decides to do drugs. I'm the one who, like, ties off your vein and, like, fucking <laughs> finds it and, like, sh yeah. no, I'm kidding. That's, that's horrible, kids. Yeah. Don't do that. Don't, yeah, you don't want to do that shit. Don't go messing with, with hard drugs. Yeah. I think both are needed. And, I again, that's, that's why this show works. Yeah, I think that's that's a big reason why this show works, why Thoughtform's going to work. I think we've found a, a really great balance, and I would like to I would like to show our balancing act to the world. 
like uh, what's his name on the Twin Towers? I am like Joseph Gordon-Levitt from The Walk, from Hit Record. Everybody from from Hit Record <laughs> from Angels in the Outfield. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forget he was in that movie, dude. He was. That's the uh, first time I ever saw him. Jay Gore. Um, Jay Gore. Uh, it's like like uh, from Young Frankenstein. Yeah, Igor. <laughs> Jay Gore. <laughs> He's got a little humpback. Marty Feldman. Yeah. Shout out Marty Feldman. Oh man. Anything else? Anything else you need to I mean, uh, we live on a planet and we're making stuff. We are part of this culture that has been raised under an umbrella of finance. And so as we try to search for ourselves spiritually, artistically, you have to ask yourself this question. It's like what is more important? Is it pursuing money? Is it pursuing an illusion cuz ultimately if, you know, we as people all we really need is love, we need food, we need a place to stay, friends, that's really all we need. And so there's something else that exists that causes us to compromise our values. What would the reality of this world be like if I didn't have to acknowledge the fact that I live on a planet and have to pay to live here? Yeah. As we do evolve as people, it, it is the question, what you said, it's, it's a long process of figuring out how to dismantle a lot of the massive cobwebs of garbage that yeah. has gunked up who we are and how we're behaving with each other. But it is imperative to stay open-minded about it and recognize that it's there. And if you start swaying in your art or whatever you're pursuing, just remember, you know, you are an amazing person that lives on this planet that is here to experience and build, hopefully, with uh, togetherness and, and at the forefront of the mind versus it's all just about me. Because that's, that's where dangerous people, I think, have kind of created a lot of crafty things yeah. around us. Well, that's that's... Didn't maybe, mean to go off on that. That's Sorry. okay, man. Maybe that's a maybe that's a good strategy for this next week as far as uh, promotion of the Kickstarter goes. Maybe not so much the focusing on getting getting attention, getting followers, getting numbers, getting essentially money, but focusing more on creating our supporting content, creating the things that we're going to be doing mm -hmm. as if we're just moving forward, almost like, hey, this money thing, this fundraiser will be successful yeah. with or without us. So let's do the things that are the most important for us to do after they're done after the fundraising is going to be done and let's just let's just put our focus into that i i i wonder if it's it's a uh, and if you build it they will come if you're out there and you are curious about the process of making a movie we are in it and you can follow along with us as we do that help support us by spreading the word or even drop in a couple coins in the bucket we could use it i'm not going to sit and sell people they don't need that they're they're, they're smarter <laughs> than that shit it's, I mean, people people are smarter, and like you said, um, I I do think that people are are sitting and watching. I if I was going to be active on Kickstarter, that's probably the way I would want to do it: is to to watch something for a few days and then just you know donate when it comes time to it, because nobody's going to miss out on anything in the next twenty two days. Yeah, they're only going to miss out if they wait twenty three and a half days. I'm going to say it the last time. We need your support. Bobformfilm.com. <laughs> <laughs> For this week on High Dare, I'm Ian. And I'm Joe, and uh, we love you lots. We gotta go. Follow us on Twitter at High Dare Pod. Get your ass online because uh, highdare.com misses you.